Welcome to Behind the Art, a podcast developed by Rockhampton Museum of Art. In each episode of Behind the Art, we unlock hidden treasures and activities of the creative sector with a focus on visual arts. Conversations with artists, collectors, curators, conservators, researchers, educators, and so many more. They will demystify the world that is visual arts. Join us as we take you Behind the Art. This is Behind the Art, the Rockhampton Museum of Arts podcast series. First up, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land here. Uh, we are on Durumble Country. My name is Emily and I'm the curator of Rockhampton Museum of Arts. This year, I've had the pleasure of working on a solo exhibition of photographic works by the international artist Jakim Frezer. Raised in Germany and based in Brisbane and Berlin, Jakim Frezer has been a practicing artist and educator for over three years, uh, three, sorry, decades. Frezer is an honorary lecturer at the School of Communication and Arts at the University of Queensland. He holds a PhD from RMIT University in Melbourne and has lectured in photography at the Queensland College of Art and other tertiary institutions in Australia and in Germany. His works are held by the National Gallery of Australia, the National Portrait Gallery in Australia and Queensland Art Gallery, Gallery of Modern Art and several regional Queensland galleries. Jakim, thanks for joining me. Well, it's my pleasure. <laughs> it's wonderful to be talking to you today about uh, your practice as an artist. Um, mm -hmm. Could we begin with how you became a photographer and ultimately how did you become an artist? Well, that's actually a long story because, because I've, I've actually taken photographs all my life pretty much since the age of eight when my father um, from Canada came and visited me and gave me a little camera to play with. And since then, I was basically hooked. I always walked around with the camera. Um, whenever I traveled, I took photographs. Um, I bored all my friends with boxes of slides when I came back from my journeys. And yeah, people just always knew me. I had a, usually when I was young, I had a cigarette in one hand and a camera in the other. So um, cigarettes are dumped, camera is still here. So yes, that's, that's basically um, the background story of me in photography. But it was for many, many years, it was just a hobby. Um, after I finished school in Germany, I thought for a little while whether I wanted to become a photographer, but it was all in the too hard basket, really, because it was difficult. It's very competitive to get into um, art schools or um, photography courses in Germany. And mm. yeah, I decided I... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I actually wanted to become a writer and photography all of a sudden seemed to be very technical. And yeah, in the end, I never pursued it really until I actually arrived in Australia. And we, my family and I were migrated in 1991 and moved mm. from Berlin to rural Tasmania, which was quite a change. And um, there was a little art school and we had no jobs and we decided we wanted to do really what we always wanted to do. And um, I enrolled into a photography course and that really was the start of it. Yeah, um, I very quickly realized that this is something I could do as a job or could do as a, as a profession. And um, at the time, I wasn't sure whether I was a photographer or an artist. 
I just enjoyed the, I enjoyed the medium and mm. only later after I dabbled in commercial photography I realized that what I really want to do with photography is make art and really pursue my own projects show the world the way I look at it mm. yeah for sure so you got over that hesitancy about the technicalities of photography then of course yeah, which is interesting because now that's actually the thing that, that yeah. drives my practice. I'm very much yes. interested in, in the technical, um, in the different technical methodologies photography has to offer. Because we always talk about photography as this thing, this medium, as, as if it was one thing. But it's actually a number of very different processes. And um, going from, from starting with historic processes like salt printing and cyanotype, which I'm using now in my practice, to um, today's digital photography, which is a completely different thing. Yeah, for sure. Actually, you also mentioned there in your, in your answer about uh, whether you were an artist, whether you were a photographer. Is that something you still uh, think about a lot? Not really. I, 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 no, not really. I'm both. And um, yeah. but if you if 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 I had to tick one box, if there was you know, and I probably would tick the artist box because I use photography to make artistic statements and and I, I work as an artist. I yeah, I I try to create my own vision, and it's not mainstream photography. Uh, that's pretty certain. Mm, okay. Well, your artistic practice it's spread across your two homes in Brisbane and in Berlin. So I'd like to um, get to know more about how this international, across cross-country identity informs your artwork. What are the practical considerations to start with that you need to think about as an artist who practices across the two locations? It all started something like 15 years ago that I was going back and forth on a regular basis, mainly because um, my mother was ill and that was the incentive for me to go back to Germany more regularly. And then one thing led to the other. I talked to people, I had exhibitions and projects happened over there. So more and more I found that actually I, I was able to divide myself between two places. It is a lot of organization, really, you know, you have to always, um, basically, we have to pack up one house and then move to the other. And it's, it, it needs a lot of organization. And, and from, for, for quite a few years, it was really amazing and fantastic. But now it's almost like, I don't know, it's a bit, it's, it's, sometimes I wish I had one home rather than mm. two. It's, 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 it's easier to be in one place. Initially, I also thought that it would be a great idea to pursue my career in being in two places. But that's actually not the case because just when you, when I, for example, when I go over to Berlin, now we are going over in four weeks. It takes three months until people notice that you are back. And just when, <laughs> just when, you, when they have noticed that you're back, you're leaving again. And um, it's the same thing, you know, when you, come, when, you, when you come back to Brisbane, you actually have to, um, uh, yeah, now start working the traps here. And it, right. it's, so it is, it is, it's very much to organize. But, but it's also, I, I don't think, unless you're really a very, very big name, it's, it's, it's easy to, to have a presence in two countries. Mm. Because at, at the very end, as much as we can do things with Zoom or computers and email, the personal contact bumping into each other at an opening is really sort of a very, very important mm. for making contact. 
right. you also asked how how this international identity informs my work, and I think that is a really interesting question because because my whole idea about photography or about the world, in fact, is that that we don't live in one reality. I don't think your reality matches my reality 100%. I think we all have individual worlds we create around us. And, 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 the, and the way we perceive our environment is, is very much an individual perspective. And this, is, this, this idea of an individual perspective really is driven home when you have family in different countries and they all have different perspectives on politics, on national identities and They all speak language with a foreign accent, and it's it's it really makes you aware that there is no one right way to look at the world. There is so many variations, and that is really sort of also the way I look at photography because photography is often perceived as a depiction of reality. And a, I don't believe there is a overriding overall reality. Because as I said, I think it's all just an individual view we have on the world. But also photography is, is, does not show me the reality. It shows me how the photographer looks at the world. And that is a very fundamental difference. So ultimately, all photographic images are a construction. And this is really what informs my work. And when you look at my works, the way I panel things and the way I the way I construct my images, literally, you can see it that I actually have a number of little individual images making one, photographs making one or prints making one overall image. Then it's very clear that I construct my photography. Very rarely what you see in my images has been like that in the world. It's always a construction. Mm -hmm. It's always a very subjective perspective I'm showing. Absolutely, yes. And seeing so many perspectives is um, is the key there, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. I think that's 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 what that that what drives my art making. Mm, yeah, definitely. And okay. that's what interests me in art. You know, yeah. I mean, what 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 I what I see in art is yeah. is all these different viewpoints and and different mm. agendas and different. Um, constructions of the, of the world and and that's what fascinates me that it is so different that it is some, sometimes controversial that it's sometimes challenging that you sometimes don't agree you know i mean it would be horrible if art if all art we made would be was the same it would be you know the end of the world in my yeah. eyes yeah so so this this whole individuality that 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 art allows me to engage with another perspective engage with another view to look at the world that's what fascinates me Absolutely. And I think you've offered a great summary of why artists use photography as well. That's a, that's a really great, and especially your practice. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great way to really get to the core of it. Fantastic. Well, continuing on, I, I also wanted to kind of ask you if, if, you're, if the Brisbane versus Berlin, if we could talk a little bit more about that. Brisbane, I mean, I grew up in Brisbane, but it must seem quite small compared to the art scenes that you then relocate to temporarily in Berlin, in, in Germany and other European capitals, spending time between those two sorts of places, the, the big cities and then the, the more smaller scale um, Australian cities as well. And, and then also spending time here in Rockhampton as well. Um, uh, how do the places compare in terms of 
art galleries and universities, opportunities for artists? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for starters, I mean, I live in Brisbane for more than 20 years now, and since then it has grown massively. When I actually arrived Indeed. in yeah. 90, when was it in 98, I think, um, it really w proudly looked at itself as a, as a big country town. <laughs> um, and it, it, the difference between Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane was that Brisbane was not a big city like those. Mm -hmm. And I think now it's really rivaling Sydney and Melbourne on, on many levels. Yeah. And has it has grown up significantly. Um however it's not Berlin. I have to I, I mean Berlin <laughs> is but Berlin is 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 an amazing place. It's an amazing place, especially when you're working in, in, in any field of the arts. It's mm -hmm. there's so much energy and so much gathered creativity which 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 feeds on each other and, and, and drives it's it drives itself on. It's 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 incredible. And um, whenever I'm there, usually, unfortunately, over in always in the winter months when when everything sort of you know slows down a little bit. But I totally immerse myself in it. It's just there is so many amazing people working there, and um, and not just the big names. It's 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 yes, there some of the big names are there, and if you're lucky, you you meet them and talk to them. But what I find even more interesting is this density of 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 a middle level where where there is some super sincere and um, long, long working artists that actually have been practicing artists for for a lifetime. And um, but they don't become big names, but they have their regular exhibitions. And, and the knowledge you find in that level is is incredible. And and that's something which really, really inspires me. And you in Berlin, you have all these mega shows and, you know, all these big things you can see, you know, big shows and which is true. But it is also this 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 density of creativity which which I really feed on. And um there is nothing comparable in Brisbane. I mean mm. there is practitioners here which which are highly respect and um have really fruitful exchanges with and there is there is a really vibrant art scene in Brisbane, but it's not it's got hasn't got the same energy. To me, it's it, there's also this this idea of um, comfortable living. I think Brisbane is a little <laughs> bit comfortable to be really challenging. Ah, uh, too comfortable. In, yeah, in in a way, it's, it's great to live, and and I I enjoy it, you know. And and in a way, when I in a way when I'm in Brisbane, I usually stay a lot at home, you know, and I work, I get on with my projects, and and in Brisbane leaves me alone if I don't sort of you know if I don't chase entertainment Brisbane doesn't call me I can sit in my you know in a in a city garden and my, my my dark room and my studio are under the house and in the garden so I can happily work away Berlin never lets you alone leaves you alone it's always you know pulling on your shirt come here there is this excitement go dancing go clubbing go to this mega opening you know hey there is this really great meeting of photographers hey there is this conference hey there is this exhibition I find it I find I don't know whether I could work as successfully in Berlin as I do here I guess it's the balance you know I get my inspirations I really um, fill up my tank of inspiration in Berlin and then I come to Brisbane and everything slows down a bit and I work through my things so it that's in creative level I think that that works quite well for me hmm. great 
But it's never fair to compare cities, you know. I mean, um, um, I think everything I have in Brisbane, I miss in Berlin and vice versa. Mm, yeah, for sure. Let's, uh, let's talk about artistic influences. I see a lot of European influences in the, the themes and theory behind your artworks, um, like the ones on display here in Rockhampton Museum of Art. So perhaps we could talk specifically about your breakthrough series, the, the Repography series, in that sort of context of, of you living between here and, and Europe. Has that had an influence on, on that series? Well, not immediately in that sense that, that I was getting all my inspirations from, from being in Europe or being in Berlin. I mean, if you ask me about my major influences, there are clearly two major influences. It's, it's art history, the history yeah. of European art, mm-hmm. and the hist- within that, the history of photography. This history really inspires me and it, it drives all my thinking. I always like to see what, what happened before something. So you always go back and you, you see something happening in history and then you see where, you, you ask yourself, where does that idea come from? And so you always go back in history. And when you talk about repography, the major influence for that series where I photographed dead insects and rotten fruit and um, for the first time started to panel my images and really lay at bay, bear my cons- the construction of photography. Um, that influence clearly comes from um, Baroque still life painting. I looked at a lot of Baroque still life paintings and um, their symbolism, but also their uncanny realism. Because what you it's a, what what you see looks so real, and yet most of it never really existed in front of the easel. It, it like my photography, it is it's it's a pure construction. The idea that something looks real but actually is a at the same time a social construction of whatever I uh, of social concepts or um, uh, religious belief systems, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that really fascinates me. I was looking at a lot of flower paintings, which usually, you know, is regarded as the most boring of all bloody um, Dutch still lives. You know, you're a bunch of flowers, so what? When you look at them, they're complete, again, yeah, they're, they're a complete construction. And, and most of the bouquets never really exist because they're amalgamated of various sketches the artists took overseas. And so they stand for the mercantile empire, for the Dutch, etc., etc. This idea that it says more than what it is, is was really fascinating me. But at the same time, I found out, or oh, when you look at them carefully, you always see there's little insects in these images. Mm. And um, they're, they're sitting in the petals, they're sort of starting to eat at the flowers. And I was really fascinated by the insects because I actually had started for a while to photograph insects, dead insects, because um, they're everywhere. And, and, and they're usually quite big when you come to Australia, unusually big for Europeans. <laughs> so I was really sort of, you know, fascinated by them. Mm. And that actually ultimately then started me to collect them and photograph them. And I was going into macro photography, but this idea that I was making images that are not real, that are actually creating a weird story, was founded in in my research into Dutch still life. 
And with my current work, it's the same. You know, I'm now looking at the early processes. And, and the reason why yeah. I started to use them was that I actually was researching all these photographers. And I was reading about Talbot and I was reading about Bayard. And um, eventually I thought, hang on, let's try this process. And that's where mm -hmm. it all started. Yeah. And it's a, it's a really beautiful series. That's the, that's the Entangled series. Um, yes. For anyone who's seen the exhibition and then i also wanted to ask you vice versa the opposite question you are definitely inspired by um uh, european art history and the photographic history but more recently um in 2019 you created a a series of works the woolamide giants you know because of their australian locality has this shown a you know a more lo local influence in your art practice as well Definitely. I mean, mm. when you photograph the environment, you rely on the environment that is around you. And at the moment, that's the environment I'm in. And, and also through COVID, I haven't been to Germany for three years. This is the first time since 2019 that I'm going over again. And um, my, my work now has got a very strong environmental message or influence. I'm really looking at at the effects climate change and our influence on the climate and on the environment yeah. how i can actually translate it into photography and how i can use photography to to show that so most definitely i'm now very much with, with these environmental works it's um mm -hmm. it's an australian context and it's mm -hmm. an australian theme but but at the same time i think um the problems climate change is throwing at us is um is a global one and yeah. this whole i this this what i'm what i'm talking about that actually when when i for, for example for the woolamai giants here is photographed and burnt tree stumps in the woolamai national park in the blue mountains which was one of the heaviest affected areas of all the terrible terrible bushfires three years ago i am talking about a a australian perspective onto this global crisis these fires are now ravaging Portugal and France. This this year, 2022, was horrible. It was yeah. a horrible fire season in Europe, in Western America, in West America, mm -hmm. California. It's burning for years now, um, and the Amazon is also going up in flames. So, well, definitely, we we are facing an environmental crisis that is not just an Australian topic. But sure. I live here and um, I experienced it, not the fires themselves, but um, when um, the work happened when I was on an art residency at the Big Sky, um, a wonderful place near Bilton where, where I was lucky enough to have a four-week residency. And um, we went on bushwalks and we walked through a lot of these areas which had burned down. And I remember this one bushwalk and I came back home black. Literally, I stood under the shower and there was black water running off because we walked through so much charcoal trees. And, you know, it, it mm. we, we all were looked like we came out of a coal mine. It was, and it was really sort of, you know, that really um, physically made me left its imprint on my on my body. The, uh, this environmental mm. crisis, I could, you know, I, I, it was it had really sort of, you know, affected me. In, in a very tangible physical way and and that was that was something which really triggered this idea that i wanted to photograph these burnt tree stumps 
And they also obviously go very well, or it's, it's, it's another side of the coin when I photographed the little seedlings, the beginnings of life of a plant to the end of a tree. And, and, and you know, I grow my seed, seedlings, so they are all sort of humanly induced, you could say. And then, you know, they, tree stumps are burning because of the climate change we force onto the world. So what struck me about the Woolamide Giants was that they, uh, you've chosen the, as the focus point uh, three different tree stumps. They seem quite unique and, and they must have been an, uh, an important focus for your lens as you were going through the, through the landscape. Can you talk to me about what those tree stumps mean for you in your composition? What I was struck when I saw them was that they are remnants of ginormous trees, and they, and even though they had burned down and we were clearly dead, there, there was this residue of this majestic size still very palpable. They, um, they hence yeah. also the title, um, one of my giants. And and usually yeah. I always, you know, labor over a title, or you know, it takes me a while to find one, and um, I think a lot about it, but. Right from the first moment, it was to me that the, to me the, the this series was called Bulamai Giants because they have they have such a presence. Yeah, I, I was just almost drawn to them like personalities. They they stand there as these these forgotten kings. I, I, mm. It's the best way to describe it. Um, who ruled yeah. and reigned over this landscape, and 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 they also talk about this. The, this, this, the, the past this land has. I mean, and let's face it, fire always was an important part of the Australian environment. Um, yeah. You know, in a way, I'm I'm depicting nothing which is unusual for this country. But it was, well, but but I guess what what struck me was that there were so many of them, and obviously that's and 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 mm. also that that the whole landscape was. Um, Usually it recovers fairly quickly after a fire, but there was landscape, but some of these fires were so incredibly hot and destroyed everything that um, that it took a while, that it took much longer, to, and it will take much longer for, for, the, for the environment to regenerate. And these burned trees capture are the essence of so much history and so much... Um, uh, environmental change and 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 um they're they're yeah, yeah they're just having they're just real they have a real presence and I was yes, drawn to that I agree I agree yeah they certainly do well that's wonderful thank you for going through a few questions with me today Yakum and uh, it's been my, a pleasure, pleasure working with you and and uh, nice having person. your artwork on display at the Rockhampton Museum of Art. Well, it was yeah. a it was a super amazing experience to show with you oh. and the team and your support and your help and making all of this possible and having the trust in me to come up with something good was 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 amazing and I really really I'm really thankful for it. Seriously. Oh, back at you. Yeah, a real pleasure. Thanks, Yakum. All right, no worries. Say hello to everybody. Thank you. I will do. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Bye. Behind the Art is brought to you by Rockhampton Museum of Art. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, as there will be more releases every week. And if you want to catch up on previous episodes, you can find them at the Rockhampton Museum of Art website or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for all the latest news and information about the Rockhampton Arts community and exciting new developments coming soon. Thank you.